This is Kristen Matthewson, part of the Texas A&M Family Medicine Residency Program in the Advanced OB Track, and this is Clinical Pearls. So, what are the chances, right? Within the last 24 hours, we admitted two patients, both in the early third trimester, with symptomatic cholelithiasis. One patient had a stone blocking the common bile duct, cholelithiasis. This required a second repeat ERCP procedure. Of course, the question arose regarding the safety of ERCP during pregnancy. So in this podcast, we're going to cover the data regarding endoscopic retrograde cholangiopancreatography during pregnancy. The pathophysiology of pregnancy-related lithogenicity includes bile supersaturation with cholesterol, increased gallbladder volume, diminished gallbladder motility, and changes in the bile salt pool. These gestational changes are largely mediated by increased levels of the pregnancy hormones, estrogen, and progesterone. The prevalence of cholelithiasis during pregnancy actually varies across different study populations. A study performed in India noted only a 1% prevalence, whereas a study performed in a Californian Hispanic cohort reported a 5% prevalence. Both cohorts were asymptomatic at study initiation. Now, a prospective study of abdominal ultrasounds among more than 3,000 pregnant subjects without cholelithiasis detected at baseline showed 5% developed gallbladder stones by the second trimester and 10% developed them by six weeks postpartum. Overall, about 1% of this cohort developed symptoms related to the cholelithiasis. ERCP is currently the standard technique for treating cholelithiasis and its associated complications like cholangitis and biliary stricture in the non-pregnant population. The approach to pregnant women with suspected cholelithiasis, however, differs somewhat from that of non-pregnant patients because of concerns about the pregnant mother and the fetus, and this includes procedure time, teratogenicity of intraprocedural medications, and of course, fetal radiation exposure. Informed patient consent for ERCP should include a discussion regarding fetal safety during pregnancy, including the potential, but still rare, fetal toxicity from radiation exposure. Opinions regarding the safety of ERCP during pregnancy actually differ in various reports. Major concerns surround issues related to radiation exposure to the fetus and the risk of the procedure on overall pregnancy outcome. Let's take a look at that next. Okay, before we get into the specific data and outcomes, a quick word about logistics of the procedure. ERCP in non-pregnant individuals is usually performed with the patient in the prone position to aid in selective bile cannulation and to better provide fluoroscopic imaging compared to other positions. However, this position obviously is not recommended during pregnancy to avoid patient discomfort from the enlarged gravid uterus and from it pressing hard against the X-ray platform. This can also avoid decreased systematic and uterine perfusion from the enlarged gravid uterus compressing the aorta. 
So, the procedure is usually performed at a tilt, preferably supine with left lateral tilt position. Now, the mother should be maintained NPO for at least six hours before ERCP to reduce the risk of aspiration of gastric contents. Elective endotracheal intubation should be strongly considered before ERCP. Now, it may be necessary, as we've just discussed, to perform ERCP in the supine position, but just remember to keep pressure off the aorta and the vena cava in order to prevent blood flow disturbances to the uteroplacental unit. The mother can typically be extubated soon after ERCP in the absence of chronic pulmonary disease. Now, as for medications, meperidine is considered safe. Moreover, Demerol causes minimal spasm of the sphincter of Odi, whereas other narcotics may potentially cause problematic spasm of the sphincter, but even this is considered controversial. During ERCP, biliary sphincterotomy should only use bipolar current to decrease scatter of electricity. Now, biliary sphincterotomy, if necessary during ERCP, should use minimal cautery with the grounding pad placed on the right side, like the right arm or the right posterior thorax, to minimize electrical conduction to the fetus. Strategies to avoid electrocautery include inserting a biliary stent without cautery, but this can be problematic unless delivery is imminent because of a long-term potential for stent clogging. Balloon sphincteroplasty is an alternative to sphincterotomy, but this maneuver can also induce pancreatitis. All right, next, let's review some general tips and data points to share with our GI colleagues for ERCP in pregnancy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, we are now at tips for ERCP performance during pregnancy. First, consider other imaging tests to ensure the correct diagnosis. Magnetic resonance cholangiopancreatography, or MRCP, is considered safe in pregnancy and does not need paramagnetic contrast agents like gadolinium, which are known to cross the placenta. However, MRCP is less sensitive than ERCP for detecting stones that are less than 6 millimeters. Another alternative is endoscopic ultrasonography, or EUS, which is highly sensitive and specific for cholidocolithiasis. But while they may provide an alternative to ERCP, the safety of EUS and MRCP in pregnancy has actually not been fully evaluated. Endoscopic retrograde cholangiopagrotography in pregnancy can be done successfully and safely. Few ERCP-related complications to the mother or fetus have been reported. Data on the safety of ERCP in pregnancy are, however, quite limited. Some, however, have reported increased risk of post-procedure pancreatitis and onset of labor. 
the perceived risk of radiation exposure is much greater than the actual risk, so that's good news. But still, a full explanation of these risks to the mother and her family is more credible if given prior to the exposure. Potential radiation exposure risk to the fetus can be divided, remember, into four categories, intrauterine fetal death, malformations and disturbances of growth, development, and lastly, mutagenic or carcinogenic effects. Even though the fetus can be shielded with a lead apron being placed under the patient during C-arm, efforts should be made to avoid performing ERCP during the first trimester. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fetal radiation exposure should be monitored directly with maternal skin or abdomen dosimeters since fluoro time and fetal radiation exposure do not always correlate well. The fetal dose of concern for teratogenicity is considered over 5 rads, although harm first seems to appear after 10 to 20 rads. Now, it is possible that smaller doses could be linked to certain cancers in childhood like leukemia, and that's scary to hear. But the good news is that fetal radiation exposure during ERCP is generally much, much lower than the 5 rads, with some reports showing 30 to 50 millirads, 59 millirads, or at a highest of 310 millirads, well below the 5 rad limit. Spot radiograph films, however, should be avoided since they emit from 25 to 2,000 millirad of exposure per procedure. Now, rather than using fluoro, wire-guided cannulation has been published successfully in pregnant patients, and that's something to discuss with our GI colleagues if they feel comfortable doing wire-guided cannulation alone. And if fluoro is used, remember that the image receptor should be positioned as close to the patient as possible and the radiograph tube should be placed as far away from the patient as possible in order to avoid scatter. Alright, now we can't end the podcast without reviewing the ACOG indications for fetal monitoring for non-obstetric surgery during pregnancy. According to the college, if the fetus is considered pre-viable, then it's generally sufficient just to check the fetal heart tones by Doppler before and after the procedure. Now, if the baby is considered viable, at a minimum, simultaneous electronic and contraction monitoring should be performed before and after the procedure. But what about intraoperative monitoring? Well, according to the college, intraoperative electronic fetal monitoring may be appropriate when all of the following apply. First, the fetus is considered viable. Next, it is physically possible to perform intraoperative electronic fetal monitoring. Next, a healthcare provider with obstetric surgery privileges is immediately available. When possible, the woman has provided informed consent that allows for emergency C-section for fetal indications during the procedure. 
The nature of the planned surgery will allow the safe interruption or alteration of the procedure to provide access to perform emergency delivery. Remember, all of those factors should be present according to the college if we're going to do intraoperative fetal monitoring. Now, in select circumstances, intraoperative fetal monitoring may be considered for pre-viable fetuses to facilitate positioning or oxygenation intervention, but this should be individualized. All right, we're at the end of our podcast. Now, as we end, a quick warning about pancreatic endotherapy. Pancreatic endotherapy generally requires relatively lengthy fluoro time. It can be technically very challenging and it may be associated with even higher risk. So as a result, it should preferentially be avoided unless absolutely and critically necessary. Well, that wraps up our episode of Clinical Pearls. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. The reference for this publication comes from Capel et al.'s publication from 2018 in the World Journal of Gastrointestinal Endoscopy entitled The Safety and Efficacy of Therapeutic ERCP During Pregnancy, Including Studies of Radiation-Free Therapeutic ERCP According to a Systematic Review. 